This episode of Into the Wild is sponsored by Leica Sport Optics. It's well known and proven that connecting with wildlife and nature can improve your overall well-being. So why would you not want to turn it up a notch by getting to see things even closer and clearer with a set of binoculars? It's what I have done and I've not looked back. I can't recommend enough checking out the range of optics that Leica have to offer. A great range of kit with superb optics and they even have payment plans if you don't have the cash up front. I wouldn't shout about a company on the show that I haven't used or been impressed by, and it's important to me that companies we are partnered with have the same values as Into the Wild, which is why I'm proud to give them five thumbs up. If you want to check out more of Leica's range, then visit their website that can be found in the write-up of this episode. And now, on with the show. Hello everyone and welcome to Into the Wild, your weekly podcast all about wildlife, conservation and nature. I'm your host, Ryan Dalton. It is warm, but thank you for clicking play on the pod. It's, it's so hot. I'm drinking wine. <laughs> I've just given up. I can't do it anymore. I can't. It's 33 degrees in London and I just, I'm just drinking white wine because I've given up. But thanks so much for joining me on another episode of Into the Wild. Um, I'm laughing, not to myself. I'm not that intoxicated, um, drink responsibly. I'm here with a friend of mine and a previous guest from the show, the lovely entomologist, Miss Ash Whiffin. Does all your friends introduce you as entomologist before they say my friend? Yeah, or crazy bug lady. Crazy bug lady. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how have you dealt with the heat in London? Because you come down from Scotland. I'm melting. <laughs> I'm freaking melting. I want to go back to Edinburgh. We had a nice walk on Hampstead Heath. <laughs> we did. It was lovely. It was good. Sweaty, we, but lovely. You found, I can't say we, mm. I was there. Present. I was present and over the moon, bloody over the moon, that we found... An elephant hawk moth caterpillar. First one I've ever seen on Hampstead Heath. And also we saw a tussock, a rusty tussock caterpillar mm-hmm. which is small and funky yeah i would say arguably if it was if that was the same size as an elephant hawk moth that'd be more celebrated oh yeah yeah it's the size with the elephant hawk moth, yeah it? it's not all about size is it it's absolutely not no well don't say that to a six foot seven man <laughs> <laughs> just taking the one thing i have away from me <laughs> it's all about size ryan okay sure <laughs> what else have you been up to in life in general? In life in general, yeah. How's just melting, things... just trying to get through this heat, really. Uh, you've I've, you've I've... had a lot of heat recently because you're in DC. Isn't yeah, it? I went, I did some traveling, I went on some adventures, went to check out the nature in Washington, DC, which was very cool. So, my first ever fireflies. That, I mean, that's a highlight actually of this year. What? Tell me about that. Uh, you go out at night and you look for them. What? Okay, yeah. I'm... <laughs> I understood the process of looking for them. <laughs> it was more, what, the, what were they like? What were they doing? Magical. So they're wow. just... You, they... Can you be more vague? <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're like our glowworms, but even better. But flying? Yeah. Yeah, that does sound better. They're no so much brighter. Uh, yeah, no offence to glowworms. I do love glowworms. And I had a magical experience with glowworms recently on the Isle of Butte with Lucy. Were they shagging? Uh, no. Lucy always finds stuff that's shagging. Oh. It's always like... Now I feel disappointed, is she... it? I mean, it's, but the, I mean, glowworm shagging is pretty much just funny, like two glowworms. It's not like, there's no Barry White. Barry White? Yeah. That singer? Yeah. Yeah, there's no Barry White singing in the background. Yeah. It's just glow. There's <laughs> mood lighting. Yes, that's true. A lot of <laughs> mood lighting for it. A lot of mood lighting. Anyway, no offence to the glowworms, but the fireflies were just... Mm, so good. 
so worth good. the wait. Favourite thing about London that you've seen in London so far? Uh, just the spaces. Even though things are a bit dry, a little bit parched. Oh my God, it's uh, so dry. It, there's a lot more green space than I had ever seen before. So thank you for sharing it with You're me. You're very welcome. The woodlands were nice. Yeah, we nice did high gate woods. They were nice and Enjoyed shady. That. We saw there was quite a few in Kenwoods today, wasn't there? We went in. Um, what did we see? Speckled woods. Yeah, lots of speckled woods. Many um, brands. Capitals. You saw parakeets. No, heard them only. Heard didn't them. See them. No, you saw them flying. Yes. Like, quickly okay, pointed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah you I saw wanted them. a closer view though. What else? Um, Jersey tiger moth. Your first Jersey tiger moth. Yep. You're welcome. Yep. You're I didn't welcome. do anything about uh, it. <laughs> and something very exciting that I found on the floor. Oh, go on. It's a bird thing. I know. Sorry, insects. Uh, my first ever jay feather. I mean, it was. It's, it's a be- They're a lot smaller than a because I've They're never seen a jay feather. I've never found a jay feather. I've seen jay feathers if yeah. you count on the bird. Yeah, it was magic. But I've never held one. It was a lot smaller than that. There was squealing, was and then there was fighting because you tried to pick it up. Yeah. <laughs> never pick up a feather that you didn't find. <laughs> yeah, Jesus, that's I've got the bruise to prove why you shouldn't do that. <laughs> um, you're going to be doing 60-second nature news for us. That's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is something else that I said. Please, please, do this. You do. You can do 60-second nature news. Are you ready? I don't I think you just said you're doing it. That is, I, okay. I did do that. Um, Apologies in advance. Don't apologise. You're going to be great. You're going to be great. Thanks. Because we're not editing it. Great. <laughs> right. First time listeners. Hi. How are you doing? 60 Second Nature News is a segment where we read four positive nature stories from around the world um, to do with wildlife, conservation, nature and people in that industry. And we've got four stories here. Ashley's going to read them in hopefully 60 seconds. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. Do you want to take a deep breath? I usually take a deep breath. And don't exhale yet. <laughs> okay. And then, let's go. Tiger antelope numbers have made an astonishing comeback after previously being threatened with extinction thanks to conservation efforts by the RSPB, alongside the government of Kazakhstan and partners. The amazing recovery sees the antelope population from around 35,000 in 2005 to now a whopping 1.32 million grazing on the grasslands like they once did. A rare hummingbird has been rediscovered in Colombia. An experienced local birdwatcher in Colombia rediscovered the Santa Marta Sabrewing, a relatively large hummingbird only found in the country's Sierra Nevada de Santa Marta mountains. (laughs) (laughs) It's only the second time the species has had a documented sighting since it was first collected in 1946. Morrison's Asda and Lidl joined the rest of the major UK supermarkets on Friday 12th of September in temporarily banning the sale of disposable barbecues due to their severe risks of wildfires. Finally. And it's good news for the endangered pine hoverfly, with the first adult spotted in the wild in Scotland for the first time in nearly a decade. Work to conserve this critically endangered fly began 30 years ago, and the recent sighting comes after staggered releases of captive bread larvae in October last year and March this year at Abernethy and Glenmore in the Cairngorms. The insects act as both pollinators and waste recyclers, so are important in forest ecosystems, and the larvae were bred as part of the Royal Zoological Society of Scotland's conservation breeding programme. And the adult sighting is an early sign of success for the project, so here's hoping it's the first of many. And that's the end of 60 Second Nature News. Well done, you smashed it. (sighs) Thank you. Was that all right? Okay. I feel like I can do better, but yeah. Do you want to do it 17 more times? No. Is that what you do? <laughs> no, I do it in one breath. I do it in one... I, do, I take a sip of neat whiskey, one breath, and then I pass out for four days. 
the, the things I do for this show. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, thank you very much for doing that. You saved me some, some oxygen. You're welcome. Thank you very much. Anyway, on to today's episode. This is the fourth episode that we recorded live at Global Bird Fair, which seems like decades ago now. Um, but this is... You shouldn't have favourites, but this was one of my favourite chats. It was with the wonderful Nadine Pereira, the co-founder of Flock Together. Flock Together is an amazing organisation. I'm sure many of you know about it. Those of you that aren't in the UK, um, to give you a bit of background, it's an organisation that gives underprivileged people, uh, mainly in city areas, opportunities uh, to connect with the natural world from doing um, walks in green spaces to now having equipment on loans um, if people can't quite afford it to be able to just get that next step further into the industry and the connection with nature as well. But I won't tell you too much about that because Nadim's about to tell you all about it on today's show. But we also spoke about Nadim's career, how he got into uh, the world of birding, um, how he met Ollie, the other co-founder of Flock Together, um, and what the plans are for the future. And of course, their brand new book called Outsiders, which is available right now. So anyway, another for my chat let's get on with today's episode this is flock together with nadine pereira well mate it's a hot day very hot (laughs) (laughs) very very hot i am definitely caught the sun despite putting fat 30 on what an hour ago and i'm already burnt in the face um Nadim, lovely to have you here on the show. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, Ryan. Thank you for having me. You're I'm welcome. really excited to be here. Very, very excited. Yeah, you are. So this is your first bird fair, right? Yeah, it is my first bird fair. Uh, thoughts? My thoughts. <laughs> uh, how honest are we being here? No, no, no. It's been it's been amazing, actually, yeah. to be honest with you. Um, really, really enjoying the space. Really like to see the sense of community that's yeah, around here. Yeah, definitely, right. Everybody yeah. just connecting on that platform that really we all share which is nature you know um no matter where you're from no matter how old you are no matter what you do with your life we all come from nature and i think that that is highlighted at an event like this so yeah and we've seen that like me and you have already seen that a couple of times this morning like right walking around when i saw you it's come to introduce myself then you met someone else yeah so it's like you get that feel of like excitement it's like we're all here look at us like it's it's so nice to have that in one space 100 percent. so nice um Let's start at the obvious point of the podcast. Uh, do you want to start by telling us who you are and what you do? Uh, yes, uh, my name is Nadine Pereira. Uh, I am a wildlife f- filmmaker. I do a bit of researching as well in the wildlife TV space. I'm a youth football coach and I'm also co-founder of the coolest birdwatching club group in the world. Yes, Flock together. Yeah, absolutely. Flock together. <laughs> People are usually so modest on, but I love that, that you've you, gone in going, no, there is no other. Talk up the things. <laughs> talk up the things, Ryan. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, so what, the, I always go with this question, and because I'm always interested to kind of hear what people say. The natural world, you obviously love it so much with starting Flock together and being in it, but what's your favourite thing about the natural world? That's a fantastic question. Um, my favourite thing about the natural world is... The interconnectedness of it all, you know? I say this all the time, like, okay, yeah, I love birds, but I actually like all of nature. And and like, no matter what your area of interest is in, let's take birds for an example. You can't like birds without noticing the trees. You can't notice the trees then without noticing some insects. Yeah, absolutely. And then it all intertwines, you know? And it's just like, it's fantastic. And I love that. I love that nature constantly reminds us that we are not separated at all. We are totally interconnected and um, yeah, that's a philosophy I like to live by. That's my favourite thing about nature. And you, did you grow up in London? Yeah, I grew up in East London, born and raised East London for nice. all my sins. 
Um, <laughs> but no, I wouldn't change it for the world. You know, no. London, although... East uh, London's good for wildlife, uh, Absolutely. More than a lot of people actually yeah, care to know, to be honest with you. Um, and yeah, it, it, the hustle and bustle of London is, is, is something I owe my personality to, yeah. you know, and I wouldn't uh, get rid of that for the world. Um, but yeah, like, it's, it's fantastic. I love being from London. And well, so growing up in East London then, because like I wasn't, so I'm from London, but I didn't grow up in London. So how did you connect with nature in the city as a young person, especially with it might not be seen as the thing to do yeah. as growing up in London city. So how did, how did you get into that? Yeah, that's, that's another good question. So I've been really trying to mold this over the past few years. Like <laughs> where did this all start for yeah. me, you know? Um, and one of the things I do come to quite a lot is my mum used to take us to Sri Lanka. My mum's Sri Lankan. Right. Um, so she used to take us quite a lot when we were younger. And in a place like Sri Lanka, there's no avoiding nature. You, have, you, <laughs> you have geckos all over the walls every single night. You have snakes coming into your house uh, all through the night. If you leave your washing on the washing line, monkeys are coming to take it away and play around with it. Like, honestly, you can't get rid of it. So that, that really fascinated me when yeah. I was there. And I think what happened, the knock on from that was I would come back to London and try to see what was missing. Why don't we have monkeys in London? But, and yeah. then I'd look at, I'd be looking for the monkeys, but then I'd see like a woodpecker and I'd be like, oh, so we What's have, that? yeah, yeah we, so we have wildlife here, you know? And then I became interested in the contrast of species. Why do we have certain things mm -hmm. here and not in Sri Lanka? Why do we have certain things vice versa? And it just blew up from there. So I think. That's that's why Sri Lanka. That's an amazing comparison to have. Like going to Sri Lanka and then going back to London. Yeah. And going, <laughs> what yeah, yeah. can I find here? Yeah, yeah. Well, did you? So obviously that must have been an amazing experience to see wildlife in Sri Lanka. Did did you ever come back to London? Was there a period where you're like, I wish there was more, or did you just start to notice? No, stuff? because you know what? Having never tried to look for wildlife in London, when I was starting to look. It was anything I saw was more than I knew already. Yeah, oh, you, that's Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Like, so, so it's like learning it for the first time. Absolutely. I, like I remember being honestly about seven years old and we'd drive through as urban London as you can get really in yeah. Newham um, and there'd be rabbits, you know, on like where yeah. a lot of city airport is built today. A lot of it wasn't there um, yeah. at that time. And you'd have loads of rabbits. And I'd say I'd make my mum drive this specific <laughs> way so we could see the rabbits, you know? And yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, just simple things like that. Rabbits, badgers, foxes. I loved it all. And um, I actually remember one stand-up moment where there was a pylon uh, in the middle of this field where we had seen loads and loads of rabbits. And I said to my mum, mum, I'm going to chain myself to this pylon uh, until they get rid of it because it's going to disturb the rabbits, uh, you know? Um, so if you care to look, there is lots Campaigner of Campaigner as a kid. Yeah, as a kid, absolutely. And you know what? I swear to you, that's the first time I've ever said that, like, on yeah. any platform. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've never shared that story. That's so, amazing. Yeah, so yeah, man, it's... it's, it's um, I, did, I didn't ever notice a lack of wildlife in London. Um, it was always... It was, it's, it was abundant from the moment I started looking and 20 years on, I still find it to be incredibly abundant. I totally agree. I think the longer you spend in a city, the, the, the more you notice. That there is an argument that you could say, yeah, you start to see areas that are changing and not for nature. But my other side of that is because it's not a woodland yeah. where it's everywhere, you really notice the pockets that where it are. And it often does thrive yeah. in where it is because it's specialised to be in that kind of 100%. environment. Like some of the wildflower that we have around Archway and around Isn't and that kind of way is better than I've ever seen in a woodland walk. There you go, there you go. There so you it's, go. Like, it's, just, it's just absolutely better. And it's the same in Hackney. Hackney are great for yeah. kind of 
encouraging people to let things grow. Like mm -hmm. some of the gardens out there are incredible. Absolutely. Right? You know, London has this way of making tough characters. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so all the nature that does manage to survive in London earns a lot of respect. Yeah. As well they're as all the hustlers. People. They're all absolutely. hustlers. <laughs> absolutely. Overcoming odds out here. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so let's talk about, we've got to talk about Flock Together. If we yeah. don't, then this would be a waste of time actually yeah. doing this yeah. show. Um, so... This is a fantastic organisation, but tell us a bit about what the organisation is and how it came about. Cool. So Flock Together at its conception, which was about May 2020, like um, uh, amidst the first lockdown, um, it's a bird watching club that was set out to combat the underrepresentation of people of colour in the outdoor space. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it started from me being introduced to a guy called Ollie, but I wasn't introduced to him. I was just given his Instagram. Yeah. Um, and the person who gave me his Instagram was like, man, you should follow this guy. He's so cool. He's like this creative genius, man. And I was like, okay, cool. Let me follow this dude. And he was like a really cool, I could see he was like involved in the fashion world and the creative cultural world. And I thought, yeah, this is a really cool guy. But then like two days after following him, I noticed he was like uploading short clips on his Instagram stories of birds. And I was thinking that's quite left field from yeah. what I was expecting you know yeah, what I'm saying yeah he wasn't saying? expecting that right? yeah it was not and um, so I just responded to each post naming the bird species that Olive was looking at and he hit me back straight away and he was like bro how do you know all this stuff and I said bro I'm a bird watcher like this is what I do and he goes oh bro I've had this idea for ages do you want to set up this club long story short we set it up first walk was like 15 people I think and uh, two and a half years on we're averaging like 90 plus people on our walks every single month um so that was that was that's our story that's how in the it came beginning. Together, yeah. That's how it came together, and that was like I'd say two and a half years on, we've accomplished our initial objective, which was to combat the underrepresentation of people of color in the natural world. That's done because now we have countless other uh, outdoor groups representing like uh, undersupported uh, demographics, which is fantastic. Like more power to them. But now flock together is like on the next phase, which is all about bringing POC creativity, innovation and vibes, baby, to the outdoor space, to the natural world. That's what we're all about oh, it's now. so important. I mm -hmm. absolutely love stuff. So, Hey, sorry to interrupt the episode, Nature Nerds. It's Ryan, your host here. I just want to give you a quick shout out about something. Into the Wild always aims to be a free show, accessible for everyone. However, running it is not free. If you would like to support Into the Wild and say thanks, then you can do so by visiting ko-fi.com forward slash Into the Wild pod. The link is in the write-up of this episode. By doing this and buying us a coffee, you are helping the future of Into the Wild. Thanks very much and back onto the show. So, so you say like you like the support of like the under supported people that trying to get into nature how yeah. is that done in your group so how did you and ollie do that yeah so the way we did that quite it's quite simple really we just used this good and evil mobile phone you know <laughs> like we see it as it's, like, yep. it's yep. like a massive it's a massive tool right and, and and the way i like to look at it personally is it's a tool that's being used on you or by you you know and um we realized very quickly and ollie realized very quickly to be honest and i've learned from ollie that if you are visible in a space, you're going to have a lot of people who can identify with you following suit. Yeah, so yeah. on our first walk, we just snapped up all of these beautiful black and brown faces in the backdrop of nature with binoculars around their neck, bird guides in their hand. And it just absolutely took off. Absolutely took it's off. It's just be the change, isn't it? It's just yeah. actually creating that change. And, exactly. and normal. Is it normalizing it? Would you yeah, say absolutely is that normalizing? I'd say absolutely yeah. normalizing it. At first it was like this fad and it was like yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, but we were very mindful of that because what's cool today 
probably won't be cool tomorrow, yes, right? Yeah, very fit, quick moving. Yeah, on. and we didn't want to be just cool. Um, so it was really important for us that we persisted, stayed relevant, stayed innovative, and um, also kept long-term change at the forefront of our approach. And um, that comes from working with the next generation, you know? So Flock Together Academy, which again works with under-supported children uh, across the capital, um, and getting them out into nature, allowing them to express themselves in the backdrop of nature, um, was a massive, massive thing for us. And it's been hugely successful, hugely successful. And like, I, I hope you don't mind me bringing this up because this morning when we met, um, someone approached you and said that they might have a second-hand crammer that they're not using anymore yeah, yeah. to donate to Flock Together to yeah. use um, kind of as you will for whether it's as a bit of shared kit or whether it's something that it is given to someone as a support network to get into it. Yeah. Does that happen a lot with you as Flock Together? Is that something you kind of encouraged to bring that, in? Yeah, I mean, we don't encourage it because there's a lot of admin that has to go with yeah. that stuff. <laughs> so The I paperwork mean, is real. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, it is real. And, you know, like uh, Ollie and I do this in our spare time. Uh, for the most part, we are lucky now to have mm. a fantastic team yeah, that yeah. helps us with all of those kinds of things. But yeah, for the for, for the certainly for the first sta stage of Flock's life, Ollie and I were really working seven days a week around the clock to make it happen. Um, but it does happen all the time. People donate binoculars, people donate uh, cameras, as you saw today. And yeah. people, people donate much bigger things. Uh, we are, and we have, we have big news coming. Because uh, those are some of the biggest barriers mm -hmm. for everyone is just that, that sheer finance of yeah. getting into nature. I guess it's a pressure thing as well. People make you feel like you need to have yeah. it. But then also, like, if you want to connect further, get into that next step, sometimes you do. But that's one of the biggest barriers that, like, people that are, you know, on the other end of the financial spectrum, that, that's really hard to be able to do. So to have that support network must be a lifesaver. Yeah, 100%. And I think that that was, again, another one of the prominent philosophies mm. uh, of Flock Together. Um, the barrier to entry has to be low, like to the ground. Yeah. You know, we don't ever charge anybody to come on our walks. We never, ever will. Yeah. Um, and it, that's why it was imperative for us to also work well with our brands such as Leica, who yeah. support us with binoculars. Absolutely. Um, and, and, and many others, to be honest, who do give us equipment to use to support our community. And um, yeah, without those guys, we'd, we'd have a tough time. So now everybody who comes and joins us can come as they are with nothing. Uh, and they can have a pair of binoculars on our walk and enjoy themselves, enjoy the experience of birding and enjoy the, the bountiful moments of freedom that yeah. nature has to offer. That's it, isn't it? It's the mm -hmm. freedom aspect of That's... just being allowed to go out and feel in a group. This might be an obvious question, but what's, yeah. what's the vibe on the walk? Is it like, I, I mean, you're smiling now. <laughs> I'm smiling. You know why? Because the vibe is unmatched. That's, really? the, that's the only word to describe it. If anybody that has been on a flock together walk, it's, it's magical. Honestly, it's that sense of community, that sense of freedom, that sense of reclaiming, that sense of kinsmanship. It's just there's so many levels to what we do that go beyond the birding, which is yeah. so important, of course. But what we do is so much bigger than that. And um, everybody on that walk very quickly realizes that if they have. Do you get people ready. on the walks that haven't actually done anything like this before? Do you, is there like first timers that go like, I've actually not, whether for any reason, been yeah. on a walk in nature and connected with it before? All the time. Like really? most people, uh, it's very, very few people that have a prior interest in birding that come to the Flock Together walks. Oh, that's incredible yeah. as well, right? It's really great. It's really great because we've had people that had no prior interest in it. And there was there's a person who's a good mate of mine as well, um, now through Flock Together, yeah. who is now like a part of the youth council board uh, for the British Trust for Ornithology, you know? And, you know, their partner messages me all the time. I don't know what you've done to them, but they're now obsessed with birds and they, you know? <laughs> and it's just like, it's beautiful. And for us, it's just about 
showing people, look, you don't have to be an expert in no. anything to come and join us, but come and join us, expose yourself to this environment because we've not been openly welcomed in it before. Come and see if you like it and check it out. And that's what people have done. And, and if we keep sowing those seeds within our community and within the future generations too, who knows what they'll bloom into, hopefully, yeah. hopefully into something that saves the planet, you know? Have you noticed uh, a change in the demographic that is interested in birding and natural science since Flock Together? Do you, do you kind of notice it, whether that's within the in industry socially or just in your immediate circle? Uh, definitely, I'd say since Flock Together started, a lot of the established organisations, I won't name drop any here. Yeah. <laughs> but a lot of the organisations... <laughs> Why not? <laughs> but a lot of them have, they've, they've woken up, they're starting to buck up the ideas. A lot of their approaches are, need some work, let's say but they are thinking in the right way. Like, yes, we do actually need everybody. And that means everybody. That means men, that means women, that means non-binary, that means black, white, that means brown, that means everybody behind this, behind this, this, this problem because the environment is in a crisis. Let's be frank about it. Yeah, yeah. And the more brains we can get together to try and solve it, the better. And it, like you said, because it, it, it affects everyone. And you said at the beginning about nature connected. We are part of nature. You, that has to be everyone. You yeah. can't. There's, there are no barriers. Like it's ridiculous to think that no, your your group not. Sorry, yeah, this is for exactly. us. Like it just makes exactly. no sense. Exactly. Um, what barriers are still in? Are still about like whilst change is happening, and that's good. I guess it's important to also say like what for people listening. What are the barriers that? Uh, looking at Britain specifically, but black people in Britain still face in regards to connecting with nature. So I, there's no barriers. There's no barriers. Go outside, go wherever you want, walk around and look up at the sky. There's no barriers. I like that answer. <laughs> I, like, I like it. I like it. I like it. Stop <laughs> barriers, man. There's none. Yeah. They've been torn down. <laughs> they, they have. They have. That's what we've been working so hard to do. There's no barriers. Go for it. Um, what could wildlife organization, organizations be doing more? Is there something within the industry that still needs for you, maybe, or for you and Ollie or Flock Together, that you think still could be done a bit more? to um, Ooh, that's a tricky question you know i don't know if i have an answer for that to be honest mm. with you um i'm not my job role is not to come up with solutions for those yeah. those organizations you know my job role is to show my community what i believe is best for them exposing them to nature exposing them to great birding moments allowing them the platform to be themselves not ask anything of them and connect with one another connect with themselves and connect with nature so yeah i would say that if any organization wants any advice on that, follow the blueprint of what we're doing. Amazing. Mm -hmm. That's a great answer, man. <laughs> That's a great answer. <laughs> um, right, let's get down to it. Favorite bird, go. Come Ooh, on. Come on. Bird. We're at bird fair, there's got to be one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, what I do say, I don't have a favorite, but my favorites to watch is most members of the Corvid family, to yes, be honest. Yes, right? Yeah, 100%, bro. J like, I'm going to say Jays. Jays are my favorite. Jays are I amazing. I actually have a jay blue patch feather oh, in my you? bag. Yeah, I found one yesterday. Um, yeah, jays are fantastic, but I'd say just the good old carrion crow, you know, mm. like the, uh, the honestly, like Richmond Park, when I was in, living in London, that was my favorite spot to go to. I would honestly trek two hours yeah. from East London to get there three or four times a week easily. Mm. Um, and some of the behaviors I saw in the, in the carrion crow and the jackdaw, to be fair, mm. was just absolutely mind blowing, yeah. you know? Um, and some of those moments will stay with me for the rest of my life, you know? I remember seeing, I don't know, it's a bit gruesome for some listeners, but yeah. gruesome nature is good nature, guys, get over it. Yeah, you know yeah. What I'm <laughs> so the, 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 this crow literally landed on like the edge of a pond, submerged its whole head into the pond and plucked out this frog. 
and just took the frog into a tree. Gone. And Gone. Took, it's like tearing its innards Terrible. out. And it like, all, everything was falling down the tree. And it was amazing. And you, but to it, see that is quite, especially from a crow, because you'd expect it from birds of prey, which right. I guess it still is, but not in that grouping. Right. But it's still nice to see Yeah, that. I mean, like when you, I, I think of a crow preying on something, I think maybe a snail or something, you know? Exactly, yeah. You but, don't think yeah, of anything meteor. <laughs> willing to enter a body of water to go yeah. and get a frog. It was just crazy. Something like that. I, this is going to sound like I'm, I'm on Would I Lie to You and I'm telling a lie. I get followed by crows on okay. Hampstead Heath, right? Okay. And you're, right? For listeners, Ollie's looking at me going, this guy's mad. Because I walk dogs, right? Okay. And we do scatter feeds of food for the dogs. And the crows have worked out that if, when we go, there's some stuff left over. So they just collect the, like, the dried liver and stuff. But to the point now where I can walk through the woods, turn around, there'll be two crows on a tree and they'll just follow us so, every point. So for everybody that thinks... Ryan's lost his marbles. <laughs> I am actually going to back him up here because <laughs> yeah. I used to walk dogs on the Hackney Marshes right? and the exact same thing used to happen to right? me. But isn't it great thing. that sometimes we do like, if we've got a bit of dried liver, we're like, oh, whack that in the tree for yeah. them and carry on. Go. But it's just, it's just nice to go like, they all follow us the entire way mm -hmm. through Hampstead Heath. Mm -hmm. It's like, you lot are smart. hundred percent, man. They're brilliant creatures, fascinating creatures to watch also because a lot of bird species, you know, like birds are beautiful, like aesthetically, but they're, typical animals in a sense that they just react to their environment and yes, adapt and yeah. do what they need to do. The corvids, the crows, they will manipulate what's going on. They will be totally. proactive in their environment and that calls for some really, really great watching. Honestly. It really is. It's entertaining, mm -hmm. especially when there's some small dogs being walked. <laughs> <laughs> I love dogs, but I would always laugh at a chihuahua being nipped. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, that's just funny in the world. We love is, dogs, guys. We, we love, love dogs, dogs we but love that dogs. is always funny. I'm there sorry. And I say that as a professional dog walker. There you go. And, and, and you know what? It's animals going at animals. It's, it's, it's all good. You know, it's we're in their good. environment, man. <laughs> um, London, I'm going to because you moved to Bristol now. Yeah. But favourite green space? Let's look at London. Where did you love going in? You said Richmond Park. So obviously that's going to be one of your yeah. top, right? That is definitely my favourite place. Um, but Walthamstow Wetlands as well in North East London. The first time two weeks ago. I'd uh -huh. never been. Yeah. I don't know why it took me so long to get to Walthamstow. Yeah. Because it's an hour away, but it was beautiful. Yeah, before we went, before we started Flock Together, I had never been there either. Really? Um, and it's a beautiful, the guys at London Wildlife Trust do a fantastic yeah. job there. And um, yeah, it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, really love going there. So I'd say probably, I couldn't pick one between the two. Walthamstow yeah. Wetlands and Richmond Park. For did sure. you do Hampstead Heath much? My neck of the I woods? I did actually. Yeah. I did, yeah. I did Hampstead Heath quite a bit actually. Um, Liked it, really liked it. It is good. It's a different vibe to the rest of London. <laughs> I mean, I didn't want to say it. <laughs> it is. You call a spade a spade. You know, the clientele is different. There you go, there you go. Um, but, and it is a bit more compact. But it is, if you know the right times to go, yeah. it's quiet. Whereas, I guess, places like Walthamstow and especially Richmond, you can actually get some nice quiet areas. 100%. Which is, you can get lost really in Richmond. It's like two and a half thousand acres plus it's mad isn't it's it? massive and it's, it's so just big. so beautiful and also like okay away from birds but i love butter butterflies it's okay. a great spot for butterflies See, that's I'm, I'm getting nice meadows butterflies. nice flowers there's love a lot of ragwort there so you get nice you uh, cinnabar moths up there so if anyone's listening and likes that richmond park for and marbled whites i'm going on a butterfly rant but I'll stop. <laughs> marbled whites there's loads of them um <laughs> You and Ollie have got a new book coming out. Yes. We've got to talk about that. Yeah, called yeah. Outsiders. Yes, it is called Outsiders. The Outdoors is yours. Um, it came out yesterday. It should be out on all major platforms, online, mm. in major bookstores. 
and a few magical independent bookstores as well nice. because we love independent bookstores. Yes. Um, yeah, it's just literally uh, stories from mine and Ollie's life, sharing experiences as being like two young black and brown men. Um, growing up in the UK, some of the hardships that we face due to, due to being uh, of our ethnic origin yeah. um, and how nature benefited us both uh, as individuals and then how those benefits can be afforded to a wider community. Yeah, and it's yeah. like essentially just the, the manual for anybody that's ever felt like an outsider. Pick up this book and you'll, you'll feel reinvigorated. That's such a great book to yeah. have. So, so was it, what was that like writing that? Because if you're sharing hardship, sometimes that can like take you back to a moment. Was that kind of a you know what, bro? tricky bit so, to do? First of all, you're absolutely right. Like yeah. it was tricky actually to go back to some tough moments mm. and, and, to, and to recall them. But it was what I really did enjoy was fully exploring what that moment meant to me and coming actually to a positive resolve at the end, you know, yeah, really yeah. bright, really positive. That was really nice. And then moreover, it was bloody difficult. I've not, I'm not a highly educated man, you see. Yeah, so, oh, really? So that, <laughs> no, no, so, I hear you, man. So to that. write yeah, it yeah. was pretty difficult, but I did, I made a good go at it. And um, yeah, I think it's brilliant to good be Good on you, man, you. because yeah, no, that is, that, that's, that's another hard thing to do. I mm -hmm. mean, I'm not in any way skilled at writing and when you have to try and do it you kind of sit there going ah, yeah this. yeah but actually it's just your voice yeah so exactly now well do you know what to be fair before i became a wily teenager um <laughs> <laughs> I, I used to read a lot i used yeah. to read a lot so i think those hours that my mum forced me to do have benefited me into my adult life I can, I can write okay it's weird what you kind of remember suddenly though, isn't it? Exactly. I guess if you're going to start reading a book, writing a book, you go, actually, I used to read stuff like yeah, this. I exactly. can do this. I can exactly. do this. Exactly, exactly. Um, last question of the podcast yeah. is, if you could pass on one bit of advice onto anyone on the planet regarding the natural world, no matter how specific and niche it is, what would you pass on? I would say to anybody under the age of 21, be fearless, don't listen to the rules, follow your heart and follow your imaginations and you have every single answer necessary to solve every single problem in this world. Yes, I like That's that. What I, would say. I like that. Nadeem, <laughs> it's an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for coming down here right. to be on the show. Thank uh, you. You got Ryan. the whole rest of the day at Bird Fair. I have. I have. What are you going to get? Are you going to walk around and see things? Are you going to? I'm going to be very wholesome and walk around and eat granary bread sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here. <laughs> Thanks thank, so much for coming on, man. It's thank you very pleasure. much for having me. Absolute pleasure. I wish Cheers, it were longer. Wish thank you, man. <laughs> thanks again for listening everyone if you'd like to keep up to date with the guests that have appeared in today's into the wild episode then you can do so on social media their tags are in the write-up of this episode also you can follow us on social media at into the wild pod on twitter and into the wild podcast on instagram and if you'd like to get in touch about into the wild or ask any questions or suggest any ideas for some episodes you can email me at into the wild pod at gmail.com a quick note to say that all the opinions and expressions expressed in today's episode belong to the person that said them and do not represent those opinions held by Into the Wild or anyone that we work with or are affiliated with. Into the Wild always aims to be a free show, however running it is not free. If you'd like to support us and say thanks then you can do so by buying me a coffee. Our Ko-fi link is in the write-up of this episode. Until next time, keep well, stay safe and live the good life.